Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and in today's episode, I interview Kate Torgerson, CEO and founder of Milk Stork. Milk Stork is the first and only breast milk delivery service for business traveling moms. They provide refrigerated overnight shipping of your milk to your baby back home while you're away. Milk Stork is on a mission to help moms continue to nourish their babies while also nourishing their careers. There is something really interesting that happens in this interview, and there's you know a little bit of embarrassment, but way more excitement um, for me. So during this interview, I actually asked Kate about European moms breastfeeding and how they probably don't need her service because they have a year off from work and so they don't need to ship their milk because they're not working. And Kate very gently, thank you Kate for doing this, very gently on record, uh, enlightened me to my unconscious bias that I have, which is that once you have a baby, you are always with the baby and you have no life. And Kate very gently reminded me that women are humans who have family and friends and deserve a vacation, deserve a trip. And, uh, you know, these women in Europe, even if they're not working for that year, they may want to take a trip to the beach and they deserve that. And they can still breastfeed their baby by pumping and using milk stork to send it back to their baby. You're going to hear it in the interview. It's about halfway through. It's this really interesting moment for me where I thought I, you know, was the biggest women empowering, you know, person out here. And even still, I have unconscious bias. And, you know, it's beautiful to reveal it and even more beautiful to learn. So you guys enjoy, (laughs) enjoy my moment (laughs) of awareness in this episode. Hey, Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I am so excited to have you on the show today because I have been following Milk Stork for a while now, and lately I feel like your name's just everywhere. And so when I saw that you were scheduled for this week, I just got all giddy and so excited for for our conversation. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. So um, where are you right now? I am in Lafayette, California, so um, Northern California, East Bay area. Nice. Okay. The well, burbs. The burbs. Way out in the burbs. <laughs> well, Where Femtech is born. <laughs> yes. Yeah, really. Seriously. Yeah. Um, well, why don't you tell our listeners about your background? Where are you from? You know, did you study something different in school? And, oh, yeah. you know, and, and what was your journey into Femtech and Milk Stork? A very unexpected <laughs> journey landing here. Um, so I grew up in Palo Alto. Uh, I kind of, it's it's weird now to go to Palo Alto having grown up there because it's just like the, the hot spot of Silicon Valley and venture capital and all mm-hmm. that. But I, I know it is a much different place, um, really kind of the idyllic suburban upbringing. Um, but little did I know at the time that all of my 
friend's parents were doing these amazing things, and, uh, working at these amazing companies. It was completely lost on us as kids. Um, but I've spent most of my life in the Bay Area. I, uh, as I said, grew up in Palo Alto, went to Berkeley. And then after I graduated from college, I actually moved to Tahoe. I worked as a ski instructor and a firefighter. Cool. Um, yeah. And uh, went on to work at Cliff Bar, which is the energy bar company. Yes. And started working there when early days, I think I started in 1998. So I was there. Not at the beginning, but pretty close to the beginning, yeah. um, working closely with Gary Erickson, the founder. Yeah, that's a great episode on how I built this, by the way, if anyone. I was yeah. in the recording room. I, Who I was are you? Communications. Yeah, so <laughs> um, I was, yeah, I was sitting in the recording room because um, I was his executive mm. college person. Oh my God, uh, so, so you met Guy Ross. Um, well, I met Guy Raz last October because Gary did How I Built the Summit mm-hmm. in um, San Francisco for their live event. And I was their moderator for the oh. main stage, having kind of graduated out of um, Cliff Bar oh my and God. having been in the recording room uh, during that interview and having oh. set that up for Gary. So, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I, I feel, was like full circle. Yes, I feel <laughs> one degree away from Guy Raz. Right, like <laughs> Guy Ross is amazing. Yeah, I met his dog. I met his. Kid. Oh, he's got a dog. Yep, I knew it. I knew I liked him. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so you, so, so you're at Cliff Bar. Yeah, and I um, had. I mean, Cliff Bar is an amazing place to work. Gary is an amazing founder. Kit's an amazing um, CEO. Uh, they're a married couple. They have three kids themselves, and um, super family friendly place. And that's you know. I, when I, having started there in 1998, I was, you know, in my 20s, and I left there in my 40s. So I had my childbearing years at Cliff Bar. And um, with my first kid, uh, I breastfed him, rainbows and unicorns, uh, easy breastfeeding. And then I ended up having twins mm. and having to take a business trip. And I was breastfeeding my twins and had to take a business trip for Cliff Bar for executive comms. And um, Cliff Bar would have been a-okay if I had said, uh, you know, I don't want to take the trip because I have to breastfeed. Um, but I wanted to take the trip, um, but I didn't want to throw in the towel on breastfeeding. And so I ended up taking the trip, huge logistical challenges, um, just given the amount of milk that I was producing and came back and like on that, literally the next day, I, when I got back, I was like, I started milk stork. Um, wow. And it was a way to solve the pain point that breastfeeding moms face when they have to travel away from their babies for any extended period of time. Yeah, this is a super, super interesting topic because it's like the nuances of breastfeeding that I I didn't even really consider. And then I was checking out your website and your videos and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's, you know, the milk doesn't stop because the woman goes to on a business trip, like it's still coming and there's yeah. still a baby that wants to eat it, you know. Um, quick question. Yeah. Do women produce double the milk when they have twins? Yes. They do. Yes. Interesting. It's amazing. So, but yeah, I'll give you a little breastfeeding one-on-one because I didn't know about, and no one, unless you lactated, you really don't know nope. no. what's involved in this. But just so for those that have not lactated, this is what you're heading into if you ever uh, decide to breastfeed. So um, what's amazing about breastfeeding is it's a supply and demand relationship. Mm. So babies establish the demand and women's bodies meets it with supply. So the more a baby nurses, the more milk a mom produces. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very, it's, it actually comes down to time of day. So it, uh, you produce more milk in the morning, typically less in the afternoon because your baby is kind of full huh. <laughs> and the demand isn't as strong 
So your ability to produce milk depends on the demand that your baby establishes. So when you go on a business trip, that relationship's oh, really disrupted. Oh, yeah. And there's no, um, it's really hard to create extra milk mm-hmm. before you leave because mm-hmm. it's a very fine balance. So you have to add pumping sessions weeks in advance to trick your body into producing more milk. Oh my gosh. So that you can freeze a stash while you go away and mm-hmm. then you have to pump every three hours while you're away just to maintain that supply okay. um, to create the demand to maintain the supply. And when you have twins, so I was producing a half gallon of milk every day. So Oh my gosh, a half gallon. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So I had to produce two gallons ahead of time on top of the gallons that they were already drinking. And then I had to manage two gallons in a hotel mini fridge and can lug it all home. And I will add this too, breast milk's super perishable. So once it comes out, the, the... clock is ticking. Okay. Um, if you're on a four day business trip, you're four days into the lifespan of that milk, which has like a five day lifespan and refrigerated or non-refrigerated. Well, it's really hard to get access to freezing, right? In a uh-huh. hotel mini fridge. So, uh, you're the whole time you're also trying to maintain the temperature because yeah. because of the perishability factor, you have to be keeping it at refrigerated temperature. Okay. And it's hard to, it's hard to do freezing unless mm. you go to the the hotel restaurant and say, hey, can you freeze my bodily fluid? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a real, I think for moms who are pumping and traveling or moms who are just navigating the world and pumping, you're always having to advocate and explain um, this process to people so that you can get their buy-in to have them help you oh. <laughs> get through it. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the pain point around breastfeeding. And I, I never really considered that you could freeze breast milk. So that doesn't hurt the composition of the milk at all? Freezing is great, actually. Freezing kind of lets you um, kind of, it has a long lifespan if you can freeze it. Mm-hmm. Refrigerated has a shorter lifespan. Room temperature has a shorter lifespan. So yeah, I mean, I guess there's there's issues with freezing. It loses some of its nutritional value. Yeah. Um, you can only freeze thought once. Uh, it's a really fragile, amazing substance. And it just takes a lot of effort to make and a lot of care to store Mm -hmm. and lug around. Yeah. Well, let's get into the logistics of how Milk Stork works. So a woman is breastfeeding. She has to go on a business trip or there's a family emergency or something and she's got to travel, leave her baby with someone. How does Milk Stork empower her to, you know, maintain the the milk production during that time? Yeah. So what we do is we have these um, great coolers because they're push button activated and they don't have any kind of mechanic. There's nothing mechanical about them. Um, This kind of works on old evaporation technology, like old basically it's like a chemical reaction through evaporation um, that creates the cooling. And so she can just push the button and she doesn't have to try to freeze a gel pack or kind of find some extraordinary freezing situation. Um, she could, she just needs to have a hotel mini fridge. She puts her refrigerated milk in the cooler. It's already pre-labeled, pre-addressed. It has everything she needs to just drop it at the front desk and have it overnight home. So really it was to create a two minute ship her everything she needs. So she's not lugging something with her on her travels. So it's there at the hotel when she needs it, pack it up, seal it up overnight at home. Yeah. Amazing. So I, I watched the little video and it was really cool to kind of see how it, really is just like a shipping box and like inside looks like a cooler 
And uh, yeah. I love that you the cool pack to activate it is a nipple. I was like, oh, that's so on brand. <laughs> I love it. They're like, activate by pressing the nipple. And I was like, yes, I like that. Um, we all have nipples. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and then she just puts that cool pack on top of her uh, bagged milk and then she seals it, you know, and you guys even provide the seal. So she didn't need to find duct tape somewhere like you have it there. And then FedEx yeah. will just ship it back to wherever her baby is at. And uh, I was, wow, this is incredible. Um, uh, oh, what was I going to ask? Um, oh, I, that's what I was going to say is a lot of femtech, I think, could be truly innovative and disruptive. And it's based on old technology. So you literally, yeah. you are not, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm like, it's just a, I, it's a cool pack, you know, like strategically thought about and, you know, but like, it's not like you reinvented FedEx and how that works or you didn't reinvent like, you know, a cooler without a motor, I, right? No. Well, it's more like we connected the dots. Yes. Say. Yes, exactly. Um, because it isn't like a regular e-commerce setup because if you order something from Amazon and you don't like it, like you order it A to B and then B goes back to A if you don't like it, yep. you return it. For Milk Stork, we have, you know, we ship from our warehouse to a mom and then we ship on to a third location. So mm -hmm. you can't just use some like, we had to kind of build this like weird e-commerce. Um, like, where, where are you? Where's your baby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> generating, generating shipping labels to each of those locations uh -huh. and optimizing shipping between each of those locations. Um, and then cold, it's a direct to consumer cold chain technology, which mm. doesn't, it exists for like lobster. <laughs> yeah <laughs> things like that yeah but it's it's not something that people are typically interacting with in a hotel room yeah um and then i think the other thing too is that the substance that's going into these coolers is a complete reflection of an, a woman's emotional investment into her child and so providing a level of service on top of that mm -hmm. where we are watching every single shipment that's in the air mm -hmm. um you know, never, never, um, kind of being flippant about, uh, what moms have trusted us to do. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I think the layer of service is also, it's, it's one thing to, it's not as easy as just slapping a label on a FedEx box and like hoping for the best. You want to know that someone's there and watching and making sure that things are successful. Yeah. That's actually something that we keep hearing about on the podcast is that, when you have um, a company in femtech, you're selling to women and it's like you'd be to see you're, you're selling it to the woman yourself as a company. Um, the personal touch of like, Hey, we are here for you. I'm your friend as a company, as a brand. I am also your, I'm your friend. I understand you. Here's resources. Here's community that we've, we've noticed that a lot of the consumer uh, companies in femtech space if they take a cold or not, you know, involved approach, like women don't uh, like go for that brand as much as they do the like, hey, I get you like, and here's how we're going to support you every step of the way, you know, because a lot of these things are very intimate, like mailing your breast milk. I think it's I think what you see in femtech is incredible accountability for the, the products and services mm -hmm. that are out there. And I will say that we're not just direct to consumer. We have hundreds of enterprise clients that offer us as an employee benefit. So we're not just accountable to the mom. We're accountable to these employers that have, you know, provided this as a service to their working moms as a solution. And so 
I mean, every drop of breast, I feel tremendous responsibility for every drop of breast milk that's yes. in the air, in flight. Um, yeah. I actually wanted to, that was one of my questions. So let's jump into it. I saw on your website, it was like four employers and I saw all of these giant, really big name enterprise companies that are using you to support the moms in their uh, workforce. And this is not the first time we've had a femtech company come on that their sales strategy is actually to get employers to use their product because many of their workforce is women. And if you didn't provide this, they may not be working as hard or being, you know, as present or, you know, like as healthy or happy and therefore productive. Um, so I love that you're doing that. Can you tell us more about, you know, what, it, what is the strategy behind that look like and have, has it been really receptive or? So, um, actually when I launched milk Stork, I never thought that employers would offer this as a benefit because I thought one breastfeeding, the, the pain points of lactation are so invisible. And two, mm. Um, shipping breast milk and how, how that solves against the pain points of lactation is even a further orbit of yeah, like abstraction yeah, for yeah. an enterprise person to, um, an enterprise account to understand. But, um, you know, we launched in August of 2015, first breast milk shipping company. I always say to grace the face of the earth. And what ended up happening was that mom started using milk store and then advocating to their employer directly. Yes. So our moms really became the army behind enterprise. Um, within 15 or like two weeks or something with, within that time from when we launched, we got contacted by one of the largest consulting firms in the world. They wanted to bring it on as an, a benefit for their North American employees. Yeah, I, I, I was, I took the call in my minivan in the childcare parking lot. And she's like, do you have an enterprise offering? And we didn't. And I was like, yeah, sure. Of course like, we do. Yes. I'm like, sure thing. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yes. We're going like, to do it. Um, and so really moms have been the engine behind enterprise. We have over, I mean, over 700 companies offering milk store as an employee Amazing. benefit. Um, and it's 100% the moms that have, we actually haven't banged on a single door ever. They've wow. all come to us and it's all because of moms. Well, first of all, if there's any founders or aspiring founders listening to this episode, you always say, yes, I'll figure it. And then you, in your head, you say, I'll figure this out. So (laughs) (laughs) don't worry if you don't have it figured out, it's fine. Most of us don't. We just say yes. And then we run back to our CTO or COO and say, okay, we got to do this thing. So totally normal. That that was the crazy thing. I was, we were, so I could, my, my co-founders, my dad, we were, I was working full time and my dad was helping me and Mm -hmm. We didn't have a CTO. <laughs> we, didn't have, we were a one-and-a-half-person one operation yeah. at that time. Um, and that, so, that's why you always say we, even though it's just you at the yeah. company. It's totally fine. Just we say we. The, yeah. we. We and a thousand people yeah. behind us. Um, wow, this is incredible. And then, uh, you know, women just, you know, telling their employer that they need this and employers listening, that gives me, you know, some hope. Well, I think, <laughs> I know? think what was interesting is that women were making, they were, spe- they were speaking from a, a business case. Um, most of the women that use milk Stork are operationally essential employees. Mm. So we have a lot of consulting firms. They, they were on the road. They needed, you know, traveling once a week. Yeah. Um, or they're salespeople who have a quota in a region that they have to meet. So I think the, the case that women were making is if you want me to earn money for your company, um, and you want, you want to enable me to do that, please just 
cover the cost of this so yeah. that I can perform in the way that you need me to perform. And oftentimes they were going to someone in HR and thankfully HR has a lot of empathetic women in it who mm-hmm. had already lived through this pain point themselves and understood it immediately. Yes. So that really became the um, chain reaction that mm-hmm. drove our, our enterprise channel. How many gallons of milk do you think you've shipped? Uh, I think right now we're over 3.5 million ounces. <gasps> Most wow. of them are measuring it now. I don't know if that is in gallons. Oh, I don't know uh, either. I'm have to do the math. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, three point, I think it's like, we might be at 3.6 million now. Huh, wow. Well, we have a lot of international listeners, so only the U.S. listeners will have to try to figure out ounces to gallons. Most of the world will understand <laughs> well, what we're talking about. <laughs> no, no they, I think internationally they measure breast milk in milliliters. So oh, God. Okay, milliliters. never mind. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but I will say... I, I will say also that we do have an internet, we do ship internationally. So this is not just the U S. Um, so we do, um, ship internet milk internationally as well. So is it like American, you know, United States women that go to France and they can do it, or is it like a French woman that goes to Germany and then she can do it? So we have an option that a French mom going to Germany could use. Um, we also have, uh, if, but it's not a shipping option. It's, um, she can check her milk. Um, the reason being that there's just international regulations for shipping breast milk. Between, if you can think of all the permutations oh. of all the potential destinations, um, but a, a, an American mom traveling abroad or a, any mom traveling yeah, abroad yeah. and shipping back into the U.S., we have that as a shipping option. Um, the reason we have a checking option for moms internationally is because every single airport in the world has a different policy for carrying on breast milk. Wow. Different volume. So checking it is kind of the, the easiest common denominator in terms of their requirements. And if you carry it on, um, it's different everywhere you go. Oh my gosh. Tell, can you tell me some of the different like rules? So it's like different amounts, ounces worth. Some of it, some of the time it has to be frozen. Some of the time it has to be a certain amount within a certain container. In some countries, you actually have to have a child, a baby with you, which makes no sense oh. because why, why would you be pumping if you had your baby with you? Yeah, you they are the just... pump. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, that's an example. I, oh. I fully believe that that requirement was made by a man. Obviously, yes. Oh <laughs> um, my gosh. Yeah, so there's just all sorts. I mean, sometimes frozen, sometimes fresh. Interesting. You, you kind of don't know what you're going to run into. Interesting. Okay. All right. Wow. Again, as always, listeners, you know, I'm learning so much on every episode. (laughs) Um, What have some of the women been telling you that use your platform? Uh, I mean, I just hear it's a game changer. Uh, I think the one, the one, whenever women reach out to me on LinkedIn all the time and they always have like some crazy travel story until that, you know, like I had to do this and then I found milk story was such a game changer. But for the for a lot of moms, it means that they've been able to breastfeed longer, mm-hmm. um, and that just means so much to me because I think, oh my god, like if you're a consultant and you were traveling every week and you made it, you, you made it to whatever your breastfeeding goal was, um, and you didn't have to compromise. Mm-hmm. I, I just ha- giving women having the choice of how they feed their children mm-hmm. is um, makes it totally worth it. Yeah, and. I know I um I just talked about a European woman going to another European country, but then I just remembered uh, we just had an episode with Working Mother, which is a you know lactation suite for buildings. So you have multiple small yeah. businesses. You can have this lactation suite. They all kind of share it. 
And I asked her actually about lactation sweets in Europe. And she said, well, in Europe, they get the year off for maternity yeah. leave. And so I yeah. actually just came back to the forefront of my mind. So um, I guess milk stork really, you know, is super, super vital for the United States women that we get 12 weeks, right? Yeah, it's well, you don't get 12 paid weeks, you get 12 weeks unpaid in the US. The oh. US is the it, we do you do not have paid leave in the US unless your employer is providing it for you. There's no federally paid leave in the US. Um, okay, sorry, is, I'm silent because my mouth is open. Um, so again, so, so you so, can take 12 weeks without being fired, but you don't get paid for them. Right. Why are we the worst? Um, you, your employer, your employer might provide paid leave uh -huh. and go, and you might have requirements based on where you live mm. in you know, certain counties, um, certain States, but, uh, yeah, you're, you're not getting paid. I mean, most, there's a lot of women going back to work days after having, going, having birth, yeah. you know, having given birth. Wow. Um, that being said, yeah, internationally, they have federally paid leave. So even for um, the whole, often, they get the whole year and they get paid for that year. Or a portion of payment. Yeah. I mean, every country has its yeah, own thing, yeah. but yeah, you're getting, I mean, it, some are getting paid three months, some are getting paid nine months, some are getting paid half pay after it's all iterations. Yeah. But I think that we cannot assume that women are sitting home all the time breastfeeding. Like, yeah. Uh, even though you have paid leave, that doesn't mean that you're uh, not away from your baby or go uh, taking a trip that's or true. that's so true um yeah. i mean i think one of the i am a total pro attachment parent which means that you're breastfeeding on demand um but i also have ambitions <laughs> yes. um, and i have a, a life outside of my kids and if i want to go away for the weekend then i am presented with the challenge of um how do you breastfeed while you're away oh my gosh yes can't yeah you can't assume that just because they're on maternity leave, they're not there with the baby all the time. They have a life. That is a, that's a paradigm yeah. shift that I think a lot of us have a, a, a hold in our brains, imagining just the mom just being home with the breasts available, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I think the, the recommendation in the U S is 12, six months of exclusive breastfeeding and then breast milk, um, breastfeeding, uh, as the main source of nutrition for 12 months. So wow. a year, and that's yeah. like every three hours for a year wow. that you are yeah. pumping yeah. or breastfeeding. Yeah. Oof. Oh my gosh, this is so important. Is there any other resources like this for women for shipping the milk and empowering them we to have. not have to have the baby with their breasts all the time? Well, I mean, our success has definitely uh, spawned some competitors. <laughs> um, you know, but I think for us, we're always trying to. Um, expand our offering because not every, mm -hmm. every woman has the same, um, needs when it comes to breast milk shipping. Um, you know, international is something that we're really proud of because that was not an easy feat. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, we, we, I mean, there's women everywhere who are struggling with this. So we're kind of always trying to stay on top of that from a, from a logistics and innovation standpoint. What have been some of your other big accomplishments at Milk Stork? Um, I mean, through the, the, over 3 million ounces of breast milk sure feels like a win. One of the things that I'm proud of right now is that we are um, working with some research institutions to support um, COVID research as, mm. as it relates to breast milk and providing some back-end logistics to that. 
um, that feels like something that's just really relevant right now and something um, that it just, it's a, it's a nice feel good for us. Yeah. Um, but I'm really proud of the fact that we've been able to bring the conversation of lactation forward in the workplace, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that it's um, one without shame and that women are feeling like they can advocate for something specific that's really going to help them. Um, and that breastfeeding is no longer kind of this like invisible thing that women are having to do on their own in the workplace. I and mean, 50% yes. of the workforce is basically female. Yeah. Most mom, most women are going to become moms and experience this in some degree. So. Yep. What is, is there a, so what's the correlation that you're looking into with the breastfeeding in COVID? We're not doing the studies, uh, research institutions are. Okay. But what are they so, um, thinking? So some, some are looking, so, uh, when, uh, when you're sick or you have your, when you're, when you're breastfeeding and you're sick, you, um, your, be- your baby benefits from the antibodies that are being created yes. by your body. So, yes. So there's, there's that. Um, and I think there's also studies around extracting and and I'm not a scientist extracting antibodies from breast milk Mm -hmm. as a way of treating COVID. Oh my God. Imagine breast milk saves the world. I mean, it would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. What have been some of your bigger struggles? I think explaining breastfeeding to people. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of struggles in that it's not something that people understand. It's not a pain point that a lot of, well, a lot of women have experienced it, but a lot of, whether it's investors that I'm talking to yeah. or um, business partners, you know, like your business insurance guy, like having a conversation with him, like there, I think that the challenge is normalizing breastfeeding and explaining mm. it. So it's not this um, kind of uh, foreign thing that yeah. it's a thing that, that we're normalizing breastfeeding. Um, I mean, there's always challenges where we <laughs> deal in logistics. Yeah. <laughs> um, we move yeah. physical things, <laughs> precious physical things across <laughs> oceans. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously right now we're, it's challenging. No one's traveling. COVID is challenging mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've kind of expanded our offering and tried to create value to our enterprise clients through other offerings. So, um, I don't, I don't know if they're challenges or they're just, um, opportunities to, to grow. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're just run of the mill, run of the mill startup life. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's like when people ask, what are the challenges? I'm like, every freaking day. Every day. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, really do you feel like you're just coasting and the things are, uh, I don't think that that's the experience of any startup. (laughs) Yeah. Can we go back to the accomplishments question? That one, you know, <laughs> you can have some more specific ones, but struggles. Yeah. As a previous founder myself, I actually totally agree. That's it's just every day. But um, uh, what are some of your future goals for Milk Store? Yeah. I mean, I think for us, it's um, continuing to expand on our base business and look for other opportunities to support women who are on a mission. We just launched an e-commerce shop called mm. The Mother Shop. And um, the purpose of that is to focus on innovative products that have been created by mothers specifically. Um, so that we're supporting women, not just women run businesses, but mom run businesses yes. um, and, and, and sharing them with our audience. And then we also are giving our portion of the proceeds of those sales back to moms and babies in need. Oh um, my gosh. And I think kind of continuing to look for opportunities to not just support breastfeeding moms, but moms 
in general um, mm-hmm. is a way that we're looking to expand our on our purpose. Mm. Oh my gosh, I love it. This this has been so awesome. You are doing really really important work, and um, I'm I'm so glad you exist. You know, I really I really <laughs> am, and I'm so glad to you. you know provide you a platform to talk about this because I think that although we have a lot of listeners that are in femtech like myself, I learned so much from every episode. And so I I know I learned a lot today. Um, I wanted to ask you a few more questions. So a lot of our listeners are aspiring femtech founders, but they're looking for, you know, what should they be innovating? So what areas in women's health and wellness (laughs) do you think still need innovating? I think childcare is the biggest challenge that uh, working mothers are facing right now, um, especially coming out of coronavirus, COVID-19. Uh, we're facing, we're standing on the edge of a cliff when it comes to childcare. And um, I have great concerns about being able to keep working moms in the workforce if we don't have a, and, and, and American families thriving if we do not have um, a childcare solution for the American family. Um, there is a lot of innovation taking place right there. I think it's a really tough space to innovate in because you are dealing with a lot of independent um, childcare providers and all of that. But I think there's huge opportunities there. I think the other thing too is this is not an easy time for working parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, for me, I guess my lens in femtech is always kind of the parent. That's the world yeah, I live in yeah. is the parent space. Uh, uh, my younger self might have been <laughs> more involved in some of the the other stuff, but um, there's so many pain points for working families right now. Mm. Um, and I think the, the space is, is ripe for innovation. Um, yeah, childcare, I think, um, we have work ahead of us. This is not femtech, but it, I think it contributes to femtech. We need to have a paid federal leave policy for the United States. Yes. Um, we need to give families that time to breathe and feel secure in their parenthood so that they can really thrive when they do come back to work um, and and they can perform at their best. Yeah. Or for women to at least just heal. They need time for their bodies to heal, you know, without feeling like, well, if I don't go back in two days, like we won't have money for rent or food, you know, that's, that's insane. And you are really, and not only that, they're going to have to pay for childcare if they do go back to work. So it's probably a break even situation Uh, for them. Yes. And so you actually, I've, I feel like you really pushed on the, it's the United States childcare. So is childcare pretty good and established in other continents or countries? I think there's much better childcare solutions um, outside of the U S I think the challenge with childcare is that it's um, everyone wants affordable childcare, but we also want our teachers to be paid what they deserve. And if Mm -hmm. coming out of COVID, if there's one thing that I've learned or I've gained an even deeper appreciation for is that our, our teachers and childcare providers are not getting paid enough. Yeah. So how do you resolve affordable childcare with um, making sure that caregivers and teachers are being paid what they deserve? Well, that's it. That should be a hackathon right there. That's a very <laughs> worthwhile mission. And um, the other question I wanted to ask you is femtech as an industry, what do you think the industry needs the most right now to be successful? Funding. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. uh, I think, you know, I, I don't know if I, I think Forbes came out with that statistic a couple of years ago, you know, 2% of venture dollars go to female founders, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, 
there's so much innovation coming from women right now, so much. And it's so, we're, and, and as supportive as the femtech environment is, and I, I, I'm in this wonderful collaborative that has like a gazillion female founders. It's like the UN of female founders. In femtech. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the reality is we're all competing for those dollars. Yes. Um, and I think, yes. I think um, that's really hard. And I think even more specifically, like at series A, those are really hard rounds for women to raise. And yes. it, you know, seed is one thing that it feels like when you hit series A, that's a really difficult transition. That growth stage is really tough for female yeah. founders to get access to, to capital. So do you, uh, do you think that it's a, a mission of, you know, how do we get more female founders funded? And therefore, majority of femtech is female founders. So we should be getting a portion of that. Do you have any thoughts around like what what we need to change? I'll tell you my thought. My thought, having been a founder, a female founder who fundraised, and then having been a VC who led, you know, due diligence and investing, I feel I was always on the train of like, we need to uh, tell investors they need to invest in women. And then when I started working as a VC, I realized we just need more women in VC, like, because yes. we don't need convincing, yeah. you know, why are we spending all of our time convincing men? Yeah. We just need to become VCs. So that's my two cents. Did you have any thoughts on like, how do we get no, more funding? I, to- I, I totally agree. I think it's a matter, I think it's representation and I think it's decision-making power, um, you know, at the table, yeah. at those, at those firms, um, I do think that there's still, I think the female, like the, the, a woman's experience, the female experience, the pain points that we feel, we're still running uphill on those, Mm -hmm. um, to make those kind of, um, feel real, uh, to, to, to folks that want to invest. Um, but uh, yeah, for it to be truly, it's, it's representation and and it's not just VCs, it's in companies, it's, (laughs) politics, everything. Yeah. 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 It's an issue of representation and decision-making power. Well, Kate, this has been so much fun. I am, I'm seriously so proud of you. If I know founder life is hard. (laughs) And so if you need a little, like somebody out here is like cheering you on and just so proud, it's me. I am just love what you're doing and it's so important and um, it's, it's incredible. I can't wait to see what's next for y'all. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight speaking with you. Yes. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to my interview with Kate Torgerson, CEO and founder of Milk Stork. I learned so much about the supply and demand relationship of breast milk. I cannot believe how much work breastfeeding is. I can't believe moms have just dealt with this, pumping weeks in advance of trips, trying to bring milk on planes and coolers. No wonder so many moms quit breastfeeding. And obviously, as you've heard in this interview, I still have unconscious bias. And, you know, that is, it's not shameful. And I I just wonder what else is in there? What else is in my head, you know, that we can reveal? And, you know, ask yourself, did you have a bias around women, you know, leaving their babies for a vacation or a trip with friends? Am I the only one? I doubt it. But, you know, it's interesting to question these things. I also love how the femtech industry is targeting employers as a business model. We're seeing this again and again in our interviews. Super interesting. If you're a mom on the go, you never need to carry milk on a plane or waste it while away from your baby. 
Visit milkstork.com to start overnight shipping your breast milk today. If you love this podcast as much as I love it, support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing, and follow us on social media at Femtech Focus. Until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.